podcast where best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Willow by the grace of God. Hi. No. Is there, did you just admit somebody. that there's a god? I've always thought there was a god. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I'd like to fuck him. Okay. Yeah. That's the mood I'm in. It's yeah. bad. Weird. <laughs> Y'all, listen, I'm going to say this real quick before yeah. we get started because yeah. both of us are going on like no sleep. Willow was stranded in a town about an hour and a half away for over 24 hours because her car just mm. shat itself. My yeah. car is not going anywhere. Producer Will had to do a sleep study and couldn't get any sleep and then got stranded in the town because my car isn't working. Um, went to the grocery store for me, bought everything wrong, and um, it, <laughs> and we're just... My car is out of commission until... My car's out of commission. Our washer and dryer are fucked. Willow's sink is fucked. And I'm sure if I look around, I can find more fucked There's things. There's a really long list of all of the things that have broken in the past two weeks that have just, like... One after another, y'all. So if we seem a little weird or an episode is late, like this one. Because we also put our art in an art show, in a local art show. So we've been really, like, scrounging to get all of our stuff done on time. And then the day of the art show, we can't get our art to the art show because Willow's car shat itself. Mm -hmm. So I called for help, and luckily there were some really nice people to help us out. But there for a minute, it was a bit sweaty. My butt crack was sweaty. <laughs> and like, I, yeah, I don't want to linger too far no, on this. We're, we're, we're going to get in the case, but yeah. I just want you guys to know, I know we have a lot of active listeners. I know a lot of people are going to listen to this, you know, around the time that it drops. And I know that we're all right now. We're all kind of going through it. All of us. I know it's not just us. I know y'all are having a bad time, too. I know there's something shitty in the air. And just with me. Yeah, you can come on our Discord. Do you want to bitch about the weird, dumb shit that's happened to you? Please do. Please, it's cathartic to Commiserate. just share. Commiserate. Yeah. No, but the reason I'm giving this a rambly update is to let you all know this episode will be airing on a different month's theme. But don't worry. You won't miss an episode this week. This one's just late. Yes. We're technically recording it the last day of June, but it's not going to upload until tomorrow, tomorrow, which is July 1st, which means our July 1st episode may not op- upload until July 2nd. Yes. So I just need you all to bear with me. We gave you instead an additional episode, The Jane Collective. Please go listen to it. It's really important. Mm-hmm. It was our Patreon case we decided to make free for everybody just because we don't think that kind of information and social justice should be put behind a paywall right but our next month's theme or this month's theme as it is is um murders that happen after or during the honeymoon Hmm. so i'm gonna call it the honeymoon phase oh i was wondering what we were gonna call it that's what we're gonna call it i love you that's amazing um but this episode is technically still under till death do us part yes And this is the case of, quote-unquote, the vanishing bride. This is the missing person case of um, 
Nikki McCowan. I have briefly heard of this case. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman. And this case is very tragic. It has a lot of plot twists and the suspect is still out there. We have no idea what happened to her or who did what to her. We don't know. So I do want to speculate at the end and, you know, um, we're going to have links in the description of like contact information. Yes, we would like to raise some awareness for this case, especially as it is a person of color and did it, it did happen around the same time as the Gabby Petito. No, 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 no. Was it before or oh, way before this okay. is almost, um, it's going to be 21 years. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Coming I've got it confused with another case. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Different missing but person. I think uh, some awareness was trying to be raised about this case during that time. Yes. 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 Because their, her family is consistently working on this case because obviously law enforcement have dropped it, um, which we'll get to that later, but her family is very active and um, has continuously reached out to all the platforms. Mm -hmm. The fact that I didn't know about this case until like I dug for an entire month to find the last episode of the month. I remember. And the fact that I had to dig this much and I dig really, really, really hard. um, It just, it's, it's sad and it's sickening because they have been on everything from crime watch daily to like other investigation films. And I mean, the list goes on. I have all the links, but I saw it once I, once I found her name, then I was able to see like all the platforms that her family was able to get their story on. There's not enough media attention, period. There's not enough active media. So whenever you search for relative, you know, hot topics, she she never comes up Mm -mm. and it's very, very frustrating. And so, yeah, whenever, um, Gabby Petito came out, her family was like, well, Hey, what about, you know, my sister? And so they tried to bring up the storm again. So, and I mean, if still, if you look up missing person, missing woman, Gabby Batino is still on page one of Google, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that she didn't have a right to be found too. Absolutely. So don't get this twisted. No, no, it's just the light is shown way more strongly and brightly on cute white girls. Just is. It is. And, and that's, and that's the point that, you know, the, that the community wants to, make this they, they they need to be heard they need just as much airtime or people ain't going to get found and cases aren't going to be solved absolutely That's absolutely it. um and so yeah there her family has actually been reaching out to a lot of different platforms still to this day just to get her her story out so i know that our platform is still really small but do if i can, can yeah you yeah, never know so, and and i do have my own ideas that yeah. you know isn't the common norm so we'll talk about that at the end i think that branching out and thinking about all the possibilities helps yeah you know it For can't real. hurt no. you know, we're not coming point. up we're not gonna get all wild either and pull shit out of hell no I don't, we don't have anything i'll get to it we really don't though it's it's a really frustrating case so um just in a nutshell <clears throat> excuse me i've been <laughs> crying <laughs> so i lost my voice <laughs> there um but um on Sunday, July 22nd, 2001, three weeks before her wedding to her fiance, Bobby Webster, in the middle of wedding preparations, doing laundry, Nikki randomly vanishes and is never seen again. Oh, so It's been almost 21 years and she's still missing. And I, my bones got chilled 
because I have to now go to the laundromat because Was she at I, the laundromat. Yes, and I constantly. I mean, I've always been to laundromats. You know, yeah, I've same. always been poor. Yeah. But you know, recently it felt really great to have my own washer and dryer, and I got really, really used to it. So when the dryer went out, you know, in the middle of the heat wave, it not only was like annoying and frustrating to go, but I remember how creepy it is mm-hmm. at night going and... And just to pause in case anyone thinks this is a good idea, please don't tell us to hang our clothes on a clothesline. No. Y'all, there's a lot of bugs here. There's a lot of squirrels here. It's, it's so humid here. Clothes take actually forever to dry outside. And all, a lot... They mildew all, first. All of us are on like some sort of like neurodivergent spectrum. And I personally, and I know a lot of you guys in this household, have sensory issues does make your clothes rough it makes it crunchy yeah. and i can't I we're can't, not being snobby y'all no this is a, like texture no issue. and and the thing is is like y'all a lot of us have to go to the laundromat we yeah. all know we all know what it's like it sucks going none yes. of us love it no you know if, if putting a string on a tree to my house would be a viable option trust it would have been done right and y'all i lived off grid i used to have a clothing line i used mm-hmm. to wash my I've clothes in a bucket too. this is arkansas i'm an arkansas so girl I've done it all but you know I'm also 30 and I've got a baby so yeah chill, no. chill with that suggestion and, please that's and, all I'm asking yeah and she lived in a city and that it's just wasn't viable whole kettle of fish so but we know that like man laundromats have some creepy ass people there I mean at yeah. least at ours I don't know how many times I thought I was going to get true crime at a laundromat I'm just saying yeah, you know ours is really creepy well any laundromat I've ever been in has always got this just vibe of I don't want to be in here by myself yeah absolutely I hate it and, you know I've been to them in like the inner city and like in Tulsa and in right. Dallas and in Houston right at like 3 a.m. is some scary scary mm-hmm. shit and remember mm-hmm. if you're from California Tulsa has over 700,000 people in it it's not a bunch of pastures and cows <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> thank you but it is over here so I don't it know. is over here that <laughs> accusation is apt <laughs> Um, but Nikki herself, so I want to say her full name. I'm always going to say, call her Nikki, but I think she has a really long name and I think it's beautiful. Okay. Um, her, her actual name, uh, is, uh, Marilyn Renee Nicole McCowan. And I just, I think it has a really beautiful syncopation to it. It's nice. And yeah, it like has a floral feel to it. I don't know. It does. I agree with you. It's very, I think it's very very feminine and very pretty. Right. And the way that she spells Nikki is N-I-Q-U-I. And I think. Oh, I love that. Doesn't that look like a perfume? It do. Right? Oh, I want to wear it. I know, right? Like it's a very beautiful way of writing her name. So just keep that in mind whenever you're searching for her or talking about her. That's how you spell her I will have links to various pages and social media accounts and stuff so you guys can share stuff around absolutely she was like a lot of people that we hear tragic things happening to she was one of the most amazing women that ever lived um she was wonderful she was intelligent she was beautiful she was kind she was very determined in her life she had goals and she was going to meet them and once she met them she was moving forward you know she had dreams and aspirations and she worked really really hard to get to where she got and to where she was going um 
At the time of her disappearance, she was about 28 years old. She was a prison guard at Montgomery Education and Pre-Release Center in Dayton, Ohio. Um, She had a passion for law enforcement, criminal rehabilitation, and um, she actually was also a um, hostage negotiator. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that fucking badass? That's so cool. Um, She actually started at that correctional facility in 1994. So she'd been working there a while and, like, really working her way up. She... um, worked her way up to head accountant, then a guard, and then, uh, yeah, eventually a hostage negotiation. Um, she, she, um, then furthered her studies at Sinclair Community College in criminal justice courses. And nobody really got into like really what her specific aspirations were. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously everybody's more worried about where she is now, but it really did seem, and this is just obviously like an observation from my own, my own opinion. Um, but it really did seem like she had that kindness about her that, that thought that, that people could be really rehabilitated from their yeah. crimes and, and really wanted to focus on getting, you know, people out of prison and getting people back into the communities and, it's such a weird adjustment. Like I just spent 48 days in a county jail and it was such a weird adjustment for me alone to get back into society. So, um, she had a kindness there. She was from Richmond, Indiana, and she had a very large family. She was the youngest of nine brothers and sisters, so the youngest of ten. Wow. She, they were all close, but she was closest with her um, closest sister in age. She was about a year and a half older than her. It was her sister, Michelle, and she uh, was not just, you know, her sister or her closest friend, but Michelle heads, <clears throat> she heads the uh, the investigation now. So she oh, is wow. the person of contact. That's right amazing. Now. And she's active constantly, uh, constantly fighting for her sister. And she's an amazing woman. Um, and you'll usually see her in all of the interviews and everything like that. So her fiance, Bobby, is actually somebody that she met in high school. It's her high school sweetheart. Aww. And I know. And like, like a lot of times in high school, like she's like, you know, she's not necessarily a book nerd, but like <clears throat> she was extremely intelligent, excuse me. And she was working really hard on her studies and focused. She was focused and driven. She really thought he was cute. And he was, and so did everybody else. He was considered a player, and he had a lot of honeys on the side and shit. And these girls were not as nice as her. These girls were jealous that he paid attention to her. And at one point, it even got to an aggressive state where she actually had to be escorted out to her car multiple times. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very similar to the last case that uh, that I covered. Um, but they did date. They dated for about three and a half years. And then uh, when they met, she was a freshman and he was a senior. Mm-hmm. So as they got older, she's the, the age gap gets a little worse. You yeah, know what I mean? Real. And so, so after three and a half years, um, she's getting closer to her graduation and he's getting, you know, older. So he moves to California. He fucks off. 
<laughs> he fucks off. He goes have some fun. I don't know what he did. I think he like worked or some shit, but he fucks off to California for a few years. Meanwhile, she graduates. She meets a guy. His name is uh, Steven Johnson. And at, thir- at 19 years old, they had a daughter or she gave birth to their daughter. Uh, her daughter's name is Peyton. And um, they tried to date and raise their daughter, but he was um, unemployed and drinking and having a hard time, having a hard time. But it kind of led to kind of an abusive situation. Um, She ended up leaving before anything like super bad happened. But later on, like in the investigation, he openly admitted to... um, to investigators that he was abusive. He actually told Crime Watch Daily that, um, in quote, I wasn't good to her. I wasn't at all. I cheated. I was abusive. And then he later on went to say that, you know, if, if he had been a good person to her, that she would still be alive. So he he's grown, you know, he's 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 come to realize exactly what he's lost. I think everybody has. But, you know, he sees where he he, he went wrong. And and I think that he's still a good father to Peyton, which is you, you know, don't have him under suspicion at all. Absolutely not, no okay. way. And and I'll talk about the investigation later. But they ruled him out of like yeah. You always got to ask. The partner's always a thousand the first percent. One, you know, a thousand percent. Well, they weren't together at the time. They ended yeah. up breaking up, and then um, it, she went like a couple years alone. Uh, being a single mom, going through school, going in and, and, you know, enrolling herself into the correctional facility and working her way up. She's badass. She got this. And then all of a sudden, here comes Bobby from California. And the second they light, laid eyes on each other. That's real cute. The instant they looked at each other, they're like, oh, we doing this. <laughs> we here. So they did. They instantly were like, I mean, it was like pretty much engagement on site. They knew they were for each that. other. And... Um, yeah, it was a whirlwind romance. They were super excited about their upcoming wedding. They had been planning. She was very meticulous. Um, and she was really, really looking forward to everything. And they were really getting down to the wire. I mean, three weeks in and on this Sunday, like their plans were to, um, you know, do all this stuff, go to church. She had tons of errands this day to run for the wedding. Um she had to go get hair supplies at a beauty supply shop there in Dayton, Ohio. So they, she lives in Indiana, um, and Dayton, Ohio is 45 minutes away. And a lot of like a lot of people made like weird assumptions, like why is she driving 45 minutes? Like a lot of people do that, girl. Drive forty five minutes to do anything, like y'all. It'd take an hour to go to the grocery store and back. It, seriously, so like I'm, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense, especially going to a beauty supply shop. Like, hell yeah, I'll drive forty five minutes for some good stuff. Listen, mm-hmm. I've driven an hour for a certain type of cigarette. So I yes. just, you know. Yes, yes. Well, and, you know, these are these are people of color and specific, specifically women of color getting ready for a wedding. Y'all, we... Mm-mm, mm-mm. She, she's not going to go 
sheep. She's settling. She's no. going to go get her shit done. And, you know, she's got to think about her sisters and everything uh-huh. like that. So I don't necessarily know what she had planned to buy, but she had to go get some stuff. And um, and then she was due to do the laundry. She switched cars with her husband because laundry isn't going to fit in her little car. And he's got an SUV. So they switch cars. She takes Peyton to a family member's house. Um, I got mixed reviews on, like, whether it was, like, a, her grandmother, either Peyton's grandmother, which would be her mother's house, or if it was... Um, uh, Nikki's grandmother or it was a sister so mixed reviews but either way she takes her daughter the, to the family's house and then she goes to the laundromat now it was her regular thing that she every Sunday she went to the laundromat every Sunday she did her laundry like like clockwork and her normal routine was she would go put her stuff in and her sister uh, one of her sisters lived right across the street she could see from her house the laundromat so oh, wow. it was very common for her to just go throw it in go hang out with her sister while sure. she did laundry yeah yeah I have yeah yeah we do shit like we that. we do shit like that yeah absolutely you go hang out with your girl while you have to do the stupid things that you have to do and that was their Sunday routine so this particular Sunday, because it's crunch time, everybody's got errands to run. Her sister wasn't home. And so she goes to the laundromat. And the thing is, is that weeks, pre- this is something that's not talked about in a lot of investigations. And I really want to make this very clear because the sister did speak on it. Um, she had made it very clear a few weeks prior to this that there were some men at the laundromat that were making her uncomfortable. Okay. Um, she just described them as um, Latino. Um, but other than that, we don't have any description. We don't have any names. But she was feeling uncomfortable. And for a couple weeks, she didn't go to that laundromat. Oh, wow. She actually went to a different one for a couple weeks. It just happened to be this day. She's running errands. You know, she the convenience, busy. the yeah. convenience of it all really though, is I think what was, um, necessity about it. Um, so she goes in, she stops at a gas station and then she goes to her mother's house. And when she's at her mother's house, um, in between, you know, washing loads, she's just pacing the floor, just pacing, worried. And her mom's like, what's what's going on and she's like oh nothing she's like really though like what's going on she's like well they won't leave me alone and she's like who won't leave you alone she's like these two guys down at the laundromat you know it's bad it it must be pretty bad because as women we're used to dealing with all sorts of dumb shit and I have been approached I almost every single time I go to the laundromat I'm approached by an I'm unwantedly approached by a male it's every time unless I bring Maris with me women are so vulnerable especially whenever you're bending over and doing laundry and and there they just fucking are so and so since we're used to that happening for her to complain about it and be worried about it it had to have been really really bad exactly for her to not go to this laundry yes. mat. It had to have been really, really bad. Because y'all, like, we don't want to live in fear. We live in awareness, but we really try not to live in fear because we really want to be able yeah. to go about our fucking day. Or just enjoy a fucking day. And feel like a very powerful woman pumping our gas and doing our laundry without anybody fucking touching us. 
for God's sake. Anyway, so she, her mom tells her, like, hey, you know, go get your shit and do your laundry here. She's so much like me. I can already tell. Like, she I hate to project on bo- people. bother her mama. Exactly. She doesn't, maybe she has other things she wants to do, and it interferes in the process well, of what she wants to her do. Mama, her mama is a mother of 10 children. Yeah. I don't want to bother her. Willow does this dumb kind of shit. I can't care. I would her. much rather pay $15. Well, mama would much rather she have come, obviously. Exactly. Now. So I know. Maybe you can quit being a ding dong as well. <laughs> I get why. I'm hard headed as fuck. I I know I you are it. so annoying. But it's because I don't want to burden people. I want people I to have a good time. I know you do, but it's okay to need help, and, and especially if someone offers it, you're going to take yeah. it the next time, or they'll Absolutely. be fighting words. And she did. She was like, okay, Mom, I'll go get it. And um, she goes and gets her laundry, and she's never seen again. That's so fucking crazy. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fucking fair. No. She's it's just not. washing her damn clothes. That's it. Got her poor mother. So, meanwhile, this is mid-afternoon, so meanwhile, her fiancé gets home from the tuxedo shop because the plans were that she was going to do laundry while he took his brother to the tuxedo shop because his brother still hadn't got his alterations, and he was like, no alterations? I will take you. (laughs) I will physically see to it that you have these alterations done. So he does that. He gets home about 4.30, and he gets home, and he sees that she's not home so he's like well that's kind of weird but maybe she is talking maybe she's talking away. I've done that yeah. I, I've talked until you know 9pm and I was expected to be home you know in an hour so um, I get that and then and so he starts watching TV and he kind of gets sidetracked and then he realizes that her wallet is still at home she which doesn't do anything. Which I get with the laundry. You probably have a bucket of change in your car. Exactly. Girl, I do. Um, so she probably just brought the bucket of change and didn't think she was going to go very far. It's in the neighborhood, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so she didn't leave her wallet, but she wouldn't have gone to this, Dayton. Yeah. She, I mean, she works in, you know. Yeah, she wouldn't correct, have gone all that way without her ID have, and all that shit. No. Uh, yeah. Um, and because a lot of people thought, well, maybe she just went to Dayton, maybe because she she goes to work a lot, even when she's not scheduled to. She'll go into her office and remember that she had papers or, you know, whatever. And so a lot of assumptions were made that, oh, she just, you know, did the productive thing and went to work and did something or what have you. So did, nobody's worried right now. But then an hour goes by, and at 5.30, she still hasn't shown up to do her laundry at her mom's house. She also hasn't shown up to get her daughter. Yeah, that's no. So red flags are, are flying high. And so the mother calls um, her ex, the, the father, uh, Peyton's dad, and is like, hey, can you come get Peyton? Because we haven't seen Nikki, and we don't know where she is, and we really need Peyton in a safe place uh-huh. while we figure this yeah, out. absolutely. Peyton doesn't so, need to worry about that. No, not at all. She's nine years old, so she's very aware, you know. So they take Peyton. Uh, he takes Peyton to his house, and um, they gather the family. And a huge, you know, family meeting starts and they kind of wait around, they piece together, they talk. And by about nine or 10 or so, they're like, okay, time's up. 
you know, that's too late. This this yeah, woman is punctual. She would never do this. And so then they call it in. And remember, this woman is is basically an officer. She's not technically a cop, but you know, at the time she works in law enforcement. Yeah. It's one of their own. Exactly. Supposedly. You would think. You would think. You would fucking think. So they're like, well, maybe she just has cold feet. Of course. If no, you have cold feet, I ain't leaving you, baby. If you have cold feet, somebody'd know. Mama would know. Mama would know. Sisters would, would know. know. Sister would know. Yeah. So yeah, and no, you wouldn't leave your baby because um, they were they were thick as thieves, and so. Whatever. They wouldn't listen to them, and they were like, you have 72 hours. What is with this arbitrary shit? There's no rule. There's They're no making law. this shit up. Y'all They're don't listen to them. Insist. Insist. And if, and if one officer doesn't listen to you, go to the next officer. Then go to the next Call officer. Call for wellness checks. That's a good one to get mm-hmm. them out there. Mm-hmm. To take a statement from you. And when an officer does not take your missing persons report, ask for their badge number, write it down, and then uh-huh. ask for the next one. Now, let me Be tell you annoying. This. Here's this, though. Uh, if you are a person of color, uh, just be careful. Well, yes, of course. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't absolutely. be annoying if they're just going to shoot you. Right. I, I know. I know. Here we go. I know. I almost want to be like, <laughs> y'all get your designated white ally <laughs> to go with you to places because, like, literally, like, I, I'm just scared for the. We just don't I'm know. I'm scared. I just don't know we what live they're in the capable South. of. We live yeah, in the we South. Yeah, we live in the South. Um, but yeah, so they tell them to go back home. But y'all, this is Sunday, so the next day is Monday. And when she doesn't show up to work, then, you know, her coworkers are like, oh. Yeah. Okay. This is serious. Okay. Now we're going to get serious. But they say that in all the reports that, that now is when they get serious. It might have, they might have done the report right now, but it took two to three weeks. Oh, that's unconscionable. Two to three weeks for a, an actual police like search. investigation. An actual search team. Uh, two to three weeks for the search team? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm about, I'm really trying not to cry. It's, re- I'm so mad. I'm like that mad. I'm cry. incredulous. Um, I don't need to go into why that's upsetting. Um, no, you don't. That's obvious. Yeah, because so they go. Um, they the first of, of course the first time, first place they go. I'm so mad. Um, the first place they go is obviously the laundromat, um, and of course the surveillance video has been taped back over because they waited too fucking long. Um, sorry if you had headphones on. Um, but then they go around. They ask people. Nobody knows nothing because it's been forever, and that's it. That's all they get. That's all they fucking get from the laundromat. That's it. That's nothing. That's nothing. You're and not they settle get no with that. They nothing. settle with that. Do you know why? Because she's black? Because she's a person of color, and everybody that she knows is people of color. So let's look at them for suspects. So they look at only the family and friends. I mean, to be fair, in an investigation, you do need you to do. look. But you need to look at everything. Don't close up the when last they do place that, they were. Y'all, when they do that laser focus shit, it's and so don't annoying. look at anything else, it's, it's so awful. Because it's, it's the obvious places that you look that they don't. They took video footage from the surveillance at the gas station, and they observed her walking in, buying something, and then walking out looking like a quote-unquote normal person, and said that that was nothing. We're 
how do you want a scared woman to walk into a gas station? Do we need do to you, be like dramatic? Do we need to flail? flail? Come on. But then we're overreacting. Exactly. Y'all need to make up your fucking minds because it's some like up it's, and down shit really around rough. here. Because it's what they do is they use that against her and say, oh, well, she, wasn't scared. she obviously wasn't scared. So, so it's so really a family member or, uh, you know, she has cold feet. She ran away. Oh, it's even gross. Exactly. It's just also exactly. gross. And no, of course not. Um, so, yeah, they. Um, some other facts that the sisters spoke on that isn't in investigations that I really want to make abundantly clear is that um, her sister Tammy, the one that actually lives across the street, mm-hmm. um, she actually believes that they could have known that she wasn't home. Because if she can see the laundromat, the laundromat can see her, right? Fair. And if this girl goes to her sister's house every single Sunday, right? Then they know her schedule. They know her schedule. They of know she they goes do. across I think the that's street. A, like fucking absolutely. Nice. So of course, the one time her sister isn't there, that's when they get her. Crime of opportunity. Yes. So, and during that time, her other sister, Michelle, the one that she's closest to um, and in an age, she's getting calls all day, hang-up calls, all day, just this day, just during the time that she would have been doing her laundry. That's weird. And police can't track them because they're hang-up calls. And it's 2001. That's weird. Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Um, so November 5th, months and months later, um, um, Bobby's GMC, the car that she had at the time was found. I was fixing to ask, like it was the car missing too. And clearly three months later. Now, remind you, they've been doing this investigation this whole time, right? Like, well, for two weeks anyway. Well, they weren't, the police weren't for for two weeks. Yeah. Um, but the family has been working diligently. Of course. Right. Yeah. They found the GMC in an apartment complex in Dayton, Ohio, the same apartment complex that Peyton's father lives in. Uh, it's not by his apartment, but it's the same area. And do you, do you think he has anything to do with it? Absolutely yeah. not. No. I'll get into okay. it. Okay. Because there's somebody else that lives at it in that apartment complex oh, that is also a sus- suspect. Okay. I'll get into it. All right. I'm ready for it. So... Um, of course, her ex Stephen is the first person of interest at this point. I mean, that's logical. Because that's to the be first fair. line to be drawn. Yeah. And he knows he when they take him in, he's like, I get it. Yeah, you can't I get, get it. In. Um, but also, this is three months later, and this is the first time they are seeing this car. That's that's fishy. That is fishy. Where it been all this time? Exactly. Exactly. Um, he, yeah, like I said, he was quickly taken into, uh, for questioning. He offered DNA, uh, fingerprints, anything that he could. He answered all of their questions. He did a lie detector test. He passed everything with flying colors. He was, excuse me, he was extremely cooperative and really, he really did love her. And I really do think that he respected her at this point. Um, but he was quickly ruled out as not a suspect or a person of interest. And he remained active in the case, like helping. Um, um, 
police found a pop out lock door lock. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Is that the kind that you like that you use to jimmy a lock? What's a pop out door lock? Yeah, I think it's. It, you know what? It's is it what you use to break into? I'm cars? pretty sure it's what you use to break into a car, but I'm gonna look it up just to be sure. Okay, I'll read what uh, the rest of the stuff that they found in the car while you do that. They found that they found. Um, an ignition that had been tampered with and a missing stereo system. So somebody had obviously looted her car, but in the back seat, her laundry was still there all folded neatly in the, in the laundry hamper. Like she had folded it at the laundromat. So she had finished her laundry. She had finished her laundry at the laundry. Instead of bringing it to your mom. Exactly. Yeah. She didn't just like me. And I saw a picture of the way that she folded her laundry. I'm just like, Oh my God, it's the same way I fold my laundry. It's so, it's so close to home. So, um, yeah, that was found in the back seat untouched. No fingerprints were found. And the seat was still in the same position that she keeps it in. So, so she was the last one to drive it. Or no taller person moved the seat. Was she little? Yeah, she was a petite woman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably. I think she was about 5'4". Yeah, that's, that's not going... Most men, y'all, are not that short. I mean, yeah. Maris is, but yeah. most men aren't. I yeah. doubt... I, I guarantee you that she might have been the last one to drive it. We'll talk about that. So, um, Bobby now is a person of interest because that's her fiance. And it's in the parking lot of his apartment complex. No, no, no. That was the... Oh, Bobby, the fiance is a person of interest. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's the next, he's the next closest male to her. Right, 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 right. Sorry. My brain got all scrambled. It's okay. I'm really terrible with names. No sleep. None. Yeah. I'm really bad with names, so it's okay for me to clarify each time. Um, but Bobby was also being suspicious to the family. Um, and I will, I will give my own two cents about this. Not that it's necessary, but I have, I have my own thoughts on, on, on the suspicions. Um, because Bobby was first seen, um, during the searches to be very put together. He was straight laced. He was wearing his nice, nice Sunday best. And the rest of the family were, you know, sweating in their yeah. rags, working, you know, yeah. not giving a fuck what they looked it like. Made, it made him appear as callous. I can see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, and, but to me, I think he's nervous. To me, that appears nervous. To, appear, to me, that appears like I want to look good for the, like, I want to look good on my wife behalf in front of the camera. I think that's also a possibility. You know what I mean? Because Both I, of them make sense. I put myself in, in, in those shoes and if, if he's innocent, um, I put myself in those shoes and think what what would I do as as a black man as a suspect? You know, I would want to look my best. It's really hard out there. So I kind of understand that part, but I also understand why the family is suspicious of that. Um, another thing that they were suspicious about is um, the fact that immediately into the investigation, once they realized she was missing, um, he immediately contacted the wedding venue and canceled their their payment plans. He did not cancel the wedding. Uh, if you read the headlines it says fiance cancels wedding when wife goes missing. 
You know what I mean? It's not quite right. It's not quite right. What he did was they they were making payments. They were scraping. They weren't scraping to get by, but they were budgeting, right? Yeah. He didn't have a cell phone. This is 2001. Um, people did have cell phones back then, but it wasn't not a lot, y'all. I didn't have one. And it was a big deal to get a cell phone. Yes. Um, it, it cost more money than, than average to get one. So, um... He canceled the payment plans on it because he was like, look, even if I find her right now, she's still going to be in a state of shock. Yeah. There's Did still going to be a some cell shit. phone. Is that what it was? I'll get into that. Yes. But he was he was kind of pulling money from different places to get a cell phone and to put uh, money in a pot for a reward. Yeah, that don't seem suspicious. No. Well, because after he um, contacted the wedding venue, he then contacted financial aid at the um, college that she was attending. And by contacting financial aid, just talking to them about her payments that she needed for school um, and trying to get them maybe put off for a second, it looked like he was trying to withdraw her uh, student funds and student relief funds and stuff like that to the public, to the people that were like investigating and like, and like airing all of the news at this point in time, it really snowballed into him, into looking like he was taking money from the wedding venue and taking money from her school. And it looked like he was taking money because she, you know, like like he had killed her for money, basically, is what people were trying to draw the lines to. I get it, but like if I get it how it'll be a sensational headline, you're not really reading between the lines, but it seems to me he was yeah. trying to allocate resources responsibly until Absolutely. she was found. Absolutely. And as a person that, uh, both as people, that constantly struggle monetarily, I see I exactly that. where he exists. I mean, exactly I'd be a mess, but like, I, you know, we always say what we would do or wouldn't do, but I don't think until you're in that situation, you know. I think about my husband and I think when a crisis happens he thinks automatically in logic mode automatically he is thinking not what he feels like but what is going to get my wife to safety and he completely goes into robot mode puts his feelings in a fucking bag and goes into like okay what do I need to do you know what happens next what do I need to do to get her here and I really do think that this is where he's at um but he did take a lie detector test mm -hmm. and it did show up that he was um showing deceit on a question asking if he had anything to do with her disappearance but liar lie detector test can be thrown in the garbage exactly period. and he did come out and say that the reason why he showed deceit on that or why he hesitated in that question was because this entire time he's, he's, felt, responsible. he's felt responsible because I don't know if he, she ever directly told him that she felt uncomfortable at that particular laundromat, but I know that I would. So I know I would it's be likely that he knew and felt responsible for letting her go. Exactly. Because he thought he thought he was doing the right thing by making sure that, you know, all the groomsmen had their tuxes and taking that burden off of her for but the wedding. Wish, if he could go back, he wouldn't do that. That's he, what he said. He definitely thought that he should have been there. This is why lie detector tests are crap. Y'all is because they don't allow for nuance. Yes. I yes. mean, you, if you're thinking like, well, I'm not being honest and it will show up as deceit. 
But we don't know why it shows up as deceit. Right. And you have to remember that people that care about you are always going, if something bad happens to you, people that care about you are always going to think that it's their fault, that they could have done something to prevent well, it. In addition it's to just that, something that we not do for a, our loved ones. It's not an exact fucking science. It's kind of crap. And True. we should just stop fucking using it as True. a determinator of guilt. True. Absolutely. Period. Because the reason they're doing those lie detectors, because they can't be used in court because that's how unreliable they Right. The reason they do it is to get trial by media ahead of time, or you know to, that or, or to like intimidate to get um, yeah to get a confession. A confession yes. So anything, any tactic like that is utter shit to me, and not justice, and not a real investigative tool. Right, right, right. Um, just to be clear, there was no evidence ever that he was involved in anything that ever was violent towards her, or was ever even even in the slightest mean to her. Yeah, she didn't go tell her mama she was afraid of her fiance. She told him she she told her mama she was afraid of the men in the laundromat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where she go missing from. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another little plot twist. So police found that a man named Tommy Swint also lived in that apartment complex. Also worked at the same law uh, correctional facility. Hmm. Now, also, Bobby worked there as well. Yeah. So Nikki worked there, her fiance Bobby this worked Tommy there, guy. and now this Tommy guy works there. All right. Tommy Swint, um, like I said, they were coworkers, they knew each other. He had kind of liked Nikki. I'll elaborate on that. I'm just saying it lightly at first. He kind of liked her. So she is very friendly. She loves people. She loves making friends. And so she quickly became friends with him. She considered him like a big brother type. Eventually, they would become friends, and she would introduce him to her family. He was at all the barbecues. He, you know, was at, like, all the functions, all the hangouts. He was there in all of the social circles. Um, but... And he even, he even took her shopping one time. And people use this, this one time that they were seen together shopping... To imply at, something. To imply that they her. had some sort of relationship. No. They never had a relationship. It's her buddy. They were only friends. Absolutely. I mean, he might have been build, building mountains out of molehills. He was obsessed with her. There you go. He was... Gosh, did I just call it immediately? Absolutely obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, and I hate that the media even tries to... Put her implicit in this in any way. E- even wants to even... Blame her for her oh, own disappearance. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, no, she did not have any relationship with this man. Um, but they did hang out. They did double date and stuff like that. Um, it's not weird. It's called having a friend for fuck's sake. But he, one time her sister was coming over to her apartment as she was walking up to the door. She heard screaming. She immediately opened that door and she found them in an altercation. It was Tommy Swint, Tommy, uh, Swint and her, they were fighting. 
I've heard different people say different things. Um, it's really hard to say any allegations at this point, but I do know that she was terrified that if her sister hadn't walked in at that time, that it would have been a complete sexual assault. Oh my God. I don't know where it actually physically went. Um, and I think that's because nobody wants to throw accusations. Right, 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 right. You know, um, to the media, but that did happen. He did continue to um, stalk and harass her. He slit her tires. He even sent her lingerie as a wedding gift. Well, that's inappropriate as fuck. Very inappropriate, especially after all of that. Yes. Um, he was a guard slash security officer, not just for that correctional facility, but at a lot of different places, like the mall, um, like different neighborhoods. Um, like the list was really long. I didn't want to read was it off. Walking around that area, that he day? was he was a he was a guard everywhere. I don't know what his alibi was for that night. I don't know if he ever had one, um, but yeah, they they kind of kept their eye on him. Um, but he was a cop. He ended up being a an actual law enforcement officer. And oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. Well, he was labeled a person of interest, and you can't be a person of interest and be a cop. So one of Nikki's sisters called in, like, his um, like commanding officer, mm-hmm. and was like, hey. He's a person of interest. So what's this right here? <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, that. So he resigned. And he moved to Alabama. That's far. That's very far away. Huh. I believe he used to live there because when he did go to Alabama, police narrowed him, narrowed in on him there because of a woman named Tina Marie Ivy. Why does that sound so familiar? I bet you would know this because she was a missing woman. She was a 33-year-old sex worker um, who had a very, very hard life. Um, Her body was found on December 17th, 1991. She was partially naked, beaten, and strangled. Her body was wrapped in a blanket, which was subsequently um, wrapped in um, tape. And then she was thrown on a pile of trash. That's great. So is he a suspect in that disappearance of murder? Police brought him in for questioning. Oh, wow. He was brought in for both her murder and the missing, uh, because he had, like, somehow had ties. Police somehow found ties to both this missing person, or this murder and this missing person. So they brought him in for questioning. He denied everything, but he did give DNA and fingerprints. They match. They matched. He in jail. So they matched the DNA to the DNA found on her body. They matched her finger or his fingerprints to the fingerprints on the tape. So they um, on February third, two thousand ten. This is how much longer into the investigation. Both both in Nikki's investigation, this is nine years later. Yeah. And uh, what, like 20 years later after this murder, yeah. um, the police were able to indict Tommy for the murder of Tina Marie Ivy. 
The police went to Tommy's house to arrest him, and as soon as they knocked on the door, they heard a gunshot. He killed himself. Tommy killed himself. I get, I bet you he, he killed Nikki. I don't. Well, do elaborate. And I, I just want to clarify before I go on that that does not give any, um, or that does not take away any like recognition or anything that anybody in her family has said. Um, I just want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah, they're entitled to their they, opinion, and they know more about the case than we ever will. A thousand percent. They, they know these people better than I do, so definitely take my suspicions. Any with speculation is just a million maybe grains give of salt. somebody an idea or a memory or something to help. Absolutely. Because I think that if somebody was at that laundromat at that time or knew anything about the laundromat at that time um, or, or knew anybody that knew somebody was at the laundromat at that time, I think it was the men at the laundromat. And I'll tell you why. Because every time I'm freaked out at the laundromat, um, as somebody who has both been a victim, a survivor, and, you know, is I'm actively being hunted um, just because of who I am. Um, we, we tend to have these, like, survival instincts, right? And we tend to think about what would happen in any situation at any point in time. And I really do think about the times where at the laundromat and specifically, and you get those creepy guys. First of all, nobody in my immediate family knows who they are. I don't even know their name, but I know their face and I understand that I am creeped out. And I know that if I saw them in a, in a, in a crowded place or if I saw them anywhere else, I would feel unsafe. I would be creeped out. And I know them specifically as bad people, but I don't know their name. I couldn't identify them to the police. I just think this is a very easy opportunity for people who have been watching her, who hang yeah. out in the area to be able to take her. I believe that these people could have forced her into her car, made yes. her, made her load her laundry in, made her act like they were just getting a ride from her, made her act cordial in public because this happens often and forced her to drive somewhere else. And then something bad happened. And then maybe she moved, maybe they got someone to move her car and or something like that. Also, um, a different idea is that, that something that I think that the family kind of leans on is that it could have been Tommy Stent, but he had a girlfriend at the time who was very loyal to him. And they could have tag team this the investigators That's tried exactly to, what I thought when you said it the investigators tried to get the woman to talk she has never talked she will never talk and her name has never been released so that is very suspicious as that well. is suspicious so me. I find both of those Equally. very my very, only thing is is where the car ended up I think that would be hard to explain away by random people who how would they have known to put her car in that parking lot what I'm I saying. also wonder how interconnected communities are I thought the same thing because I've known, if, like, when you're in the same neighborhood. Yeah, if yeah, he yeah. frequents her family and friends, uh -huh. they may frequent in the same areas. We don't know how inter interconnected communities are. Look at our community. Everybody knows everybody, could and be that's coincidence just how it is. Too. It could be, mm -hmm. because there have been stranger things have happened, for sure. And some people just know where people live, you know? That, too. So she I could have gotten scared and maybe drove to her baby daddy's house. 
You don't know. Because mm-hmm. maybe she tried. Like, maybe she tried to get her captors to just let her go get her baby girl, or at least at least just take me to my baby girl and you can have my car. Yes. You know, something like that. Run I him away from know. her kid and then let him. You never. We don't know in the heat know. of the moment. Or there could have been like some cart or mail in there with an address. Address. We don't know. We don't know. Huh. Yeah. And a, the pop lock thing. Yeah, that's that's a, a Jimmy to that makes pop sense. open mm-hmm. the car lock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She, and that was just a random burg- burglary. I don't think it was to throw off the case. Excuse yeah. me. I don't think it was for well, any other reason. Somewhere. Other than somebody tried to break into it. They stole the bat. They stole the the. the I think it's stuff. also possible that Tommy got some friends that you are ex-cons or something and had him go harass her. That's very true. That's honestly. exactly what I think, actually. Oh, that's a very brilliant Spy on idea. her, harass her. Yeah. Because he was already actively trying to ruin her and her relationship. Yes, and so get mm-hmm. these guys to help out. Mm-hmm. And a they got of, a little carried away, right, or that right, was part of the plan. Right, right. He just thought, the yeah. fuck this bitch, I'm going to kill her. Yeah. A lot of people saying. do have suspicions of her, her fiancé because her fiancé had an ex that he had a child with that was very aggressive towards her and didn't like her and it was very reminiscent of her high school years and so a lot of people had a thing over women that made them crazy right well and this woman had verbatimly said um this wedding will not happen i mean look i have contentiously stolen a lot of boyfriends and i've had a lot of things like that said in fact i had some people waiting outside my car to beat me to death with metal baseball bats for the very same reason Possible, right. yes. Likely, no. I don't see the boyfriend as mu- the fiance as much of a, a threat. Oh, absolutely. I don't think the baby daddy had anything to do with it. I absolutely think Tommy Swint. I think it might be a combination of both. Yeah, I never during this entire thing, I never drew those lines together. He has access to the criminal like underground all the time, and he's a he's a guard and everything. Exactly. So he's formed relationships with people for years who've been in jail, and then when they get out, you know, they they have business dealings. And I honestly don't know. Like, it's very common. It's it's very hard to say how many places and what places he was a guard at because he had so many jobs. It's what if it's a shopping mall and he was like a, a drive-around guard for one what of those. If, what if he was the entrance guard exactly. to the apartment complex or yeah. a neighborhood nearby? We don't know. We just don't know. It's the same area. Yep. So, I mean, that's my speculation on it. I think he, he has his fingers in it. Right. And we'll never know now. Because and that's and I think the police agree with me, and that's why they ain't moved on this in years. They consider it case closed. Right. And they but don't fucking care. No. They don't want to look for her body or her remains. Well, or I mean, I'd be shocked. If they ever found him, I would too. Yeah. But it just—it would be nice. It would be nice for the families, of course, and I really want it for them. I really wish they took more of an interest. But to them, the active menace is gone. He's dead. Case closed, and they're moving on to their other mountain of cold cases they've been ignoring. They didn't. So. They didn't uh, consider her one of them because no. she was a woman. She's a woman, and she's black, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's just not fair. So, uh, with this episode, check our social media. Because I'm going to post yes. photos and the missing flyer. And y'all, we have been slacking on it's, that it's social media. It's been really media. hard. Like we said, our lives have been really hard. Wreck. But we're about to really, really, you really. You know what, really though? I'm just pulling, I'm pulled on my fuck this boots and I'm just going to start kicking ass. I'm tired. I don't have any energy to do it. 
but I'm gonna because yeah. I, I can't see like we were just talking about this but like one of our big things is like we treat our it's not like a next door neighbor situation it's just like a family in two houses situation right and when my car broke down and I can't help Willow as much now Willow can't help me y'all we don't like this life we like helping we're helpers we're not askers well I've asked but and I'll really continue hard. to I don't like I look. don't like it my pride went down the toilet many many years ago if it's uh, hey something right. I ain't too proud to beg right. and if you guys want to help out I am running a fundraiser right now and you can get some art you can get some raffle tickets some of Willow's photography prints some of Maris's art we don't want something for nothing right I want something for something so I'm going to put the link there I'm also going to put a link to a couple other missing persons cases women of color that I'd like you to go read about share on your social media and etc and we're going to we're going to upload an additional episode this week right so that we're not late with anything we haven't missed any cases we're sorry we're a little bit late but like like we said things have been crazy but this was a great case and I'm glad you you shared it thank you you did a good job and yeah y'all and especially people that live in her area um Please just talk to your community. Mm-hmm. Talk to the people Somebody saw you. something. Somebody knows something. Somebody Even has 20 to. years ago. Yeah. Has to. These um, things don't happen in a vacuum, and cases do get no, solved every and, day. No, and this is, this is a community. These This is a very distinct community. Yeah. And I get um, not wanting to talk to the member. police, so go talk to the family. Right. That's Absolutely. what I say. Let Absolutely. them look. They're going to be the only ones doing it anyway. Absolutely. But, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and check our links for everything. Yes. Like we said. got a link tree y'all. You can get some, like there's some coupons, all kinds of shit in there. I don't want to do business time on the tail end. I want check to check us next episode. Yeah. And I'll tell you all the stuff we got right. going on. Let's just help each other out for now. Yeah. And if you need help and support, cause you feel like you're having a crazy time, like check we do, discord. please come to our discord. That's in the link tree too. Everyone, not just patrons are invited to our discord. Right. So please come right. play. And if we can like help chat. or if we can group as a community and help or maybe i can help find you people in your area that can help you i'm good at finding resources Mm -hmm. both me and willow are hey look us up these are the worst times that i can imagine right now worst times i've faced in my 43 years on this planet yes we do so so whatever i can do to help you mm -hmm. let me know i love you and we'll see you you guys too stay safe social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie V.